Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, this is Sophie with a quick message. I am touring my new show in the UK and Denmark. Starting in October 2016, I will be visiting Newport, Newcastle, Froome, Selby, Wrexham, Leamington Spa, Harlow, Crawley, Aberdeen, Elgin, Lincoln, Aylesbury, Bristol, Brighton, Guildford, Maidenhead, Oxford, Liverpool, London, Copenhagen, Aarhus, Odense and Olbo. Tickets and more information on sophiehagen.com. I can't wait to see you all there. I'm a feminist, but after I took my niece to Euro Disney, I looked up the requirements to be a Disneyland princess just out of curiosity. <laughs> I'm too tall. You've got to be five foot seven or under. And that's the only reason I couldn't do it. <laughs> but I also read that former Disney princesses have stated in their blogs that there are very strict rules on telling anyone which princess you play. You can't even say, Ariel is friends with Spongebob. And I thought, they've got blogs? This is amazing! And that was the rest of my afternoon. <laughs> that is quite amazing. Right, I'm reading out submissions from you guys, from the listeners. I'm a feminist, but last week I wore Spanx and a Wonder Bra for a job interview for a position in a women's political party. <laughs> I got a compliment on my outfit, but I didn't get the job. <laughs> Worth it. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but when I read that Ashton Kutcher said, the male orgasm is actually right there and readily available to learn about because it's actually part of the reproductive cycle, but the female orgasm isn't really talked about in the education system. Part of that creates a place where women are not empowered around their own sexuality and their own sexual selves and from a purely entertainment point of view to create a movie with a female lead that's empowered with her own sexuality is a powerful thing. And if we can give teenage people something to think about from a sex perspective, I would say it would be to open a conversation where women are empowered with their own sexual experiences from an educational level as well as an entertainment level. And I thought, I'd be really okay being in that movie with him. <laughs> volunteering to help with sex education <laughs> like a hero where do I sign 
This is also a submission from a listener. I'm a feminist, but when I found out that the right-wing tabloid Daily Mail newspaper coined the term suffragette, I used it as an excuse to go and look at their online entertainment website and read a story about J.Lo's love life. I'm a feminist, but when I looked in the mirror this morning, second week into the fringe, I felt like I was tired and my hair looked terrible and I looked old and I hated myself and I knew that this was all very problematic and I couldn't tell Sophie because she would judge me because I meant to feel beautiful all of the time or at least say that I do to seduce myself into feeling beautiful but I didn't so I went to the hairdresser and made the hairdresser straighten my hair and the hairdresser straightened my hair and then I could see more grey hair because it was so straight and perfect and then I thought I look even older and the lights were shining down on me making me feel terrible like look at my skin what is the point of it anything and everyone at the fringe is younger than me and they're all like oh yeah I don't remember that person because they're before my time and I'm like what am I the fucking time lord of the fringe how many years have I been here I totally hate myself and I'm sick of all of this this is so boring and why do I even care about my stupid hair and if you could see like three grey hairs on the side but I do and I shouldn't and I'm sick of it and I don't care anymore and I'm a feminist but whatever I can't be all of the things all of the time I hate the fringe (laughs) No one knows how to react. They're like, hey, how? how? Does she need help? <laughs> Should we call a mental health professional? Yeah. That's honestly how I felt this morning. I was like, I got so confused in my head. Like, like oh, I'm in show business. I need to have shiny hair. But I'm a feminist, so it shouldn't matter. Oh. I'm a feminist, but I want shiny hair. <laughs> I really do. And I... I did one last week, which was, I'm a feminist, but I would give up one vote in one election as long as I was in a very safe left-wing seat for Jennifer Aniston's hair. <laughs> I mean, if my vote's not going to count, I'm just saying, what's, who's that hurting? <laughs> Jennifer Aniston's hair for life. Who would, just with me, just go, hmm, if you would switch one vote that didn't count because you knew you were in a safe seat for your... Pre-diction. And that's, and if you don't know, that's the vote that people died so that you could get. Yeah, go on. No, no. <laughs> go, on. go on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. A woman died under a horse. Although the suffragettes, there's pro- she's, she's problematic. Spoiler alert. That a woman... <laughs> if they haven't seen... <laughs> fell under a horse. If they haven't seen the movie, that's... If they haven't seen the movie. <laughs> that's history. Say spoiler alert for history. <laughs> Spoiler alert, the Allies won World War II. We weren't there. Oh! Wow. Now I don't feel old. We didn't all see it firsthand. I'm going to push you under a horse and claim it's for feminism. I'm a feminist, but I'm perfectly prepared to push you under a moving horse right now. Maybe that's what happened. (laughs) She probably pissed off somebody else. Pissed off another suffragette. (laughs) (laughs) Bitch. Live from the Gilded Balloon at the Edinburgh Fringe, it's once an eight chapter sex, the guilty feminist, with Sophie Hagen and Deborah Francis White, and tonight's special guest, Meredith Braska, talking about independence. This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. So, Sophie, what was your independence challenge? (laughs) Well, to explain, because this is going to sound like I've just bailed out of a challenge again. I watched a movie, but it's a very long movie. 
<laughs> so it was a challenge. Because I, I, saw, I saw the Suffragette movie, which I've been feeling guilty about not having seen for so long. Did you or did you not claim it was your favourite movie on a dating site yeah. when you had not seen it? Yeah. <laughs> so that men would know that you were a feminist. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and cool. And so you watched Culturally this movie aware. about how women got their independence. <clears throat> yes. And I cried a lot because it was so sad. But also, uh, I kept being like, oh, I really hope they'll get the vote. <laughs> Okay, um, yeah, yeah, get it, get it. Uh, it was really good, but there was a scene, and I don't think this is a spoiler alert, because it happens right in the beginning, where I think the man finds out that she's the man, <laughs> a man, her man, her husband, uh, finds out that she's a suffragette, and then like throws her out and keeps the child, and then like gives her child away, their child away to someone, and that's the thing you could do. That, yeah. Like he would have the right over the, and she would just in the street, and. You know, that what? Yeah, that women did not have financial independence. They couldn't inherit money. Women of a certain social class weren't allowed to work. Thank you for using better words to say what I just tried to say with sounds. No. <laughs> no, but like, that's... Uh, yeah, and they didn't have the vote, so they couldn't influence any of those laws. So the vote was so important, and you should never, ever give yours away, no matter how insignificant, <laughs> for Jennifer Aniston's hair. You should not do that. You should not do that. I have massive independence slash dependence issues where I, I can't, I don't want to be dependent on anyone. Like, I have strained my back and everything just by carrying stuff I can't carry, even though there were people going, I can help you. I'd be like, no. <laughs> I can do it myself. That's why no one asks me to help them move. Because I'll be like, we can do this. They're like, no, no, we can just ask more people. I'm like, no. <laughs> do you not want to be an independent woman? <laughs> Like, yeah, you, wanna... you do have that. You do yeah. have that. I've offered to carry your bag before, and you've been like, no. Yeah, I get really upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. no I can do you do think I'm myself. weak? <laughs> it's a problem. <laughs> well, my challenge was um, okay, I'm going to put this as delicately as possible. This is, we're friends right here. Could you just lean in a bit? Yeah. Okay, so um, here's the thing, gang. And I asked him if it was all right to say this, and he said it was, I own more than my husband. I, I said to him, like, are you okay with that? And he was like, of course, why would I not be? That's a fact. And I was like, well, some men might find that, like, difficult or emasculating or something like that, because, and I know there are some men that do. And he said, oh, God, no. He said, I'd be happy for you to make all the money and I could just hang out at home in my bathrobe. It's <laughs> like, when can that happen? But here's the thing. So I own more, but... I don't really care what happens to that money. I'm not really interested in our finances. This is so embarrassing. None of this can stay in the edit. Um, I just find it boring. Like anything like direct debits, which account the mortgage payment comes out of, which account this comes out of, how are we gonna pay for this or that? I'm just like, I'll earn a bunch of money and then you manage it. And then we're, everyone's happy because I just don't care. And I know this is bad, and I'm aware all of the time. I'm an independent woman, and frankly, he could have a, a heavy online poker habit, as far as I know. He could have gambled all my money away. I honestly wouldn't know, and I know that's really bad. So I thought, right, I made it a news resolution to be more interested in our finances, and Tom was like, I'm really happy about that. I really think you should just sit down with me once a month and look at where we are and what our spreadsheets are, and I've never done that. I did not once. I, every time he suggested it, I was like, oh, I'm watching Dragon's and so, uh, so boring. And uh, so we then have a situation where we're renovating. So we're shifting money around, taking money off our mortgage to pay off a home improvement loan. 
and legally I had to go and sit in front of a lawyer and she had to explain my financial situation for me and Tom was not legally allowed to be there in case he was coercing me to take money off my mortgage and pay off a loan that happened to have just been in his name and this is because of a landmark case in which like a guy had all these gambling debts or something and took money off the mortgage and paid it and then they split up and she was like what no this is no and so since that time you have to if your spouse is taking money off your mortgage it has to be explained so I had to sit there in front of a legal professional while she explained in so much mind-numbing detail what the story was. She kept like asking me questions and I'd be like, uh-huh. And she'd be like, what do, you, what do you mean? That wasn't a yes-no question. And I'd be like, oh yeah, sorry, sorry. No, say it again. I'm really going to try and listen this time. Um, so here's the thing. I have decided, one thing I've done is I've, I've got my own bank account because my friend, I've got a very close friend who uh, I adore and she at her work always had what she called, she's Australian, and she called it a go-get-fucked fund. Um, and the go-get-fucked fund uh, was because she was working in a high-pressure for high-finance job and it was so that every single day she was there, no matter how hard it was, whether it was 120 hours a week, she was sleeping under a desk, she said, I was there because I wanted to be. She said a lot of people had these, uh, the commitments were such that they had to keep doing it. And she said, every single day I wanted to know that I could turn around and say, go get fucked and walk out the door. And I had enough money to last me for a little while. Now, I'm obviously talking about a middle-class person who has access to those kind of funds, but has still made the choice to you know, put those and be independent. I know there's a lot of women listening to this who just don't have, and men, who don't have those funds. But it really did make me think, if I am in a fortunate enough position to be able to earn some money, then I should absolutely have some money of my own. And I've talked to some female friends of mine whose marriages have gone wrong or whatever, and they've said, you must have, even if it's a pound 50 for the bus to get out of town, you have yourself a Go Get Fucked Fund. Uh, And so I've created a Go Get Fucked Fund. That's what I've done. Isn't that that the plot of Suffragette (laughs) 2? Welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis White. So I was a single independent woman for quite a long time. I'll have you know, single independent, moved out of home. Never asked my parents for money. Got a car, drove that car for many years, pootled around alone, always got myself out of trouble, always, always single independent. And then I got a boyfriend. And that boyfriend and I decided to go on a romantic trip to France. That is the correct response of the one that I made. And uh, we're driving through France and having a lovely time. Uh, J'adore, j'adore. And uh, and then we get a flat tire. And I turn to my boyfriend and I'm like, well, you're driving. You should change the tire. That's the reason, that's the rules. Driver changes the tire. And he said, I've just got my driver's license. I don't know how to change a tire. And he was like, but, but you must, because you've been driving for years. And I was like, sure. Uh, look, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how to change a tire, but I know how to get a man to change a tire for me. <laughs> and that is the equivalent skill. <laughs> The tyre is still changed, isn't it? 
And he said, no, it is not the equivalent skill. That is not the words of an independent woman. And I said, can you change the tire? And he said, no. And I said, then we're going with my skill. <laughs> I said, here's the problem though. I know how to get a man to change a tire for me, but not if you're here. <laughs> Because no man wants to change a tire for a woman standing next to an able-bodied man. It's just the way it works. You, sir, in the front row, what's your name? Jim. Jim. You'd change my tire for me if I needed it, right? But if I had a man with me, would you be so inclined? Uh, probably not. Probably not, exactly. Jim, exhibit A. You, sir, third row. You'd change my tire, wouldn't you? But if I had a man next to me, an able-bodied man next to me, would you be so keen? You can't change a tire. Sorry? YouTube tutorials. You would get a YouTube tutorial for me. Would you show it to me and make me do it? Or would you, would you read out the instructions or would you get down on your knees and change the tire? The last option, would you be you on your knees changing that? Would be my first option. Um, so it's interesting. We don't have much in common, but we'll make it work. Um, so I said to my boyfriend, I can get a man to change a tire for me, but not if you're here. You are gonna have to go and hide. <laughs> just go, and he was like, what? I was like, just go, just leave the scene, just get away from this car as quickly as you can, go away and hide and text me your location. <laughs> and then I stood outside of the car on this French road on my own going, Oh, oh la la, mon dieu, quel dommage. Until a Frenchman stopped and went, oof. And I said, oh, monsieur, ma voiture est malade. Il ne marche pas. And he went, pas de problème, pas de problème. And he got down on his knees with no YouTube tutorial because they hadn't been invented yet, nor had YouTube, nor had you, sir. And he got down on his knees and he fixed it and then I tried to pay him and I was like, and he was like, no, 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 no. Pour la belle femme. Yep. And I was like, merci, merci, merci. And I got in the car and I drove away and I picked my boyfriend up under a bridge. story had been so less sexy if you'd been in Germany. Entschuldigung! Mein Automobil! Yeah, a lot of things sound more aggressive in German. Für die Mädchen! Ja, ja. I don't speak enough German to well, get I don't speak any French, so I had to guess what oh, that okay. was. I said my car is sick. Um, which, is, which is what I literally said because I didn't, I couldn't remember the word for broken. Oh, that's so cute. My car is sick. And, oh, he sir, thought it was adorable. Uh, I, I would use that turn of phrase again. I knew all the words for my yeah. car's broken down. My car is sick. My car is sick. My car is sniffles. My car has yeah. sniffles. It, it, it did work. Listen, I'm not proud of that story. I'm a little bit proud of it. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't do that now. I would love it if men just like had like a YouTube tutorial link printed on little business cards. And then when women were like, oh, this is it, they'd just be like, here you go. <laughs> Teach a man to fish. <laughs> Shall we bring on our guest? Yeah, I think so. uh, ladies and gentlemen, she's doing a wonderful show here at The Fringe, uh, which really inspired us today to talk about independence. She was in a very famous TV show you might have heard of called 24. Woo! Thank you. 
She's an incredible stand-up comedian. Please, a big round of applause for Mary Lynn Ricecup. Thanks for having me. Are you enjoying Scotland? I thought you were going to say, am I enjoying you? Yes, I am. Well, that's who. Are you enjoying Scotland or us? You guys better than Scotland. More than Scotland? As a whole, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel about the bagpipes every morning? Scotland is a very male country. A very male country? No, no, that was really abstract right out of the gate. Let's get real. No, I'm enjoying it here. Uh, It's a beautiful, lovely place. What about that weather? Uh, Hey, today's not so bad. Accessible. Yeah, that was a very accessible comment. Thank you. Do you know what? This has been the sunniest fringe I can remember, and I'm the Time Lord of the Fringe. (laughs) And uh, your son arrived today. Yes. And he's eight years old? He's eight years old. He just turned eight. And he's turned up for a sunny day in Scotland. Yes. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) So in terms of independence, you're from the land of independence, the land of the free? Yes. (laughs) I didn't think you were going to go there with it. No, I wasn't. You went broad again. That was like calling Scotland very male. You you went really broad. So you started out, you were in Hollywood, and you were doing stand-up comedy, and then you started acting. And I think that's a really interesting one, because comedy is such an independent beast. It's such an amazing profession for women, because nobody tells you where to go. No one tells you what to do. You just get out there, and as long as you've got a microphone and an audience, you can do your job. Acting feels very infantilizing to me, because somebody rings you up and goes, stand there, say that, and then someone will tell you whether you're allowed to work or not. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so you, I wish I had some of that now at the Fringe. You know? What, someone telling you where to go? Yeah. Oh, someone driving me in a golf cart. Yeah. I just, I just have my outfit on and I don't have to walk there in the rain. Well, that's, the, rain. that's the thing. With like doing a show like 24, presumably you get a trailer. And oh, you get... do you? <laughs> You have you, have you seen backstage at my venue? You were there the other night. Oh, it's just yeah. like, I mean, everyone's just, really nice all the time. But, it's just but it's, cardboard boxes and it smells of urine. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying what I could not. Yes, uh, I don't mean to sound like a diva, but... Um, no, no, that's backstage at the Fringe. There's and literally a banana peel oh, back there. Yeah, yeah, and, a comedy uh, banana peel. and there's a bench, like a seat, and there was a dust bin with like cigarette butts in it on top of the... It's just a community space. <laughs> Backstage, and I'm really doing it independently on my own at the fringe. You, you, you help you, me. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you really are. Like when you left 24, which was presumably was this big franchise. It was very masculine franchise. It was all about Jack Bauer punching people, really, wasn't it? And torturing people. Spoiler and... alert. <laughs> I have yet to see it, and now I feel like you've ruined everything. I, 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 it's I, a I, real I, historical show, so yeah. please yeah. don't. That's real history. It's, it's, in many ways, the history of the suffragettes. Um, <laughs> it's, so Kiefer Sutherland goes around sort of being angry, and sort of, it's a show really about toxic masculinity in many ways. <laughs> and... and <laughs> You're I'm not allowed to say that, but I enjoy you saying that very much. <laughs> I don't know why I'm not allowed to say that. I really don't get paid from the show anymore, but I don't want to... Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that, like, love the show and that it does occocupy this space of, like, for right or wrong, he's going to do what's right no matter he'll torture even somebody to wrong. get it. Yeah, even if it's wrong. Yeah. He'll kill somebody for the betterment of the... Whatever. And then you start going, what is this better for? Who is this better for? He's killed so many people. Now. Um, but... Uh, you were played a very clever person in that, a clever woman who was very computer literate, yes? Yes, I, um, I, I was very lucky in the process of that show. It had been on the air for a couple of years, and I 
only did comedy before that, and I got called into audition, and I said, no, no, because I had a bad audition for CSI, because I went in, and it was like to play Girl Who Got Raped, number two. They have those parts on the show. <laughs> it's not my fault. And I went into the room, and I was like, hey, guys, what's up? And then uh, they didn't like me for that part, because I didn't know how to act dramatically. My point is, then I got called in for uh, 24, and I was very lucky. The producer said he was going to write a part for me, and it was incredibly validating as an actor, but I didn't think it would happen, and then wrote the part of computer genius uh, number two. <laughs> she had a name. That, that, Chloe O'Brien, very you popular character. You probably made that show pass the Bechdel test. Did you ever speak Thanks to another girl. woman in that show? Did you ever get to speak to another woman? Yes, I did. Did she have a name? Yes. Did you talk about something other than Jack Bauer? Oh, so close. Yeah. You did. Did you talk about computers or yeah, like yes. things? You made that show pass the Bechdel test. I don't know uh, if I personally did, but um, well, I was present for it. Yeah, you can't pass the Bechdel test on your own. You've got to pass it with another woman because that's how it works. You've got to have a conversation. I, uh, oh, case, I think okay. where I was going in the telling you the whole backstory was that I played a character that people found very annoying at first because I was sort of rude and socially awkward. And then they started writing me helping Jack Bauer. And that's when like the tide turned and people started to enjoy my character. But the whole thing was a bit of a fluke where I would, you know, I signed on for six episodes and I thought, oh, they're going to fire me. And then it just, you know, I became indispensable to him. Way to go. So if you have a part like that, make yourself indispensable to the man. (laughs) And then they will keep you. It's true, though, they have, there's a real problem with female characters. I know this is not what we're meant to be talking about, but there's a real problem with female characters being unlikable. I'm doing air quotes if you're at home. Like Breaking Bad, where... The wife? Yeah, like Skylar. Skylar. He's like cooking crystal meth and bringing bad guys to their house, endangering the whole children. And then she's like, can you stop doing that? And everyone's like, she's such a bitch. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that actress got hate mail. That actress got hate mail, not the character. It's a strange thing what the narrative in that show in particular can do because you do root for him to be evil and she was just sort of an impediment to that of bringing him into the real world you know and their baby was a prop it was always him going oh I just want but I gotta go make more meth you know he would always have those moments like with the child so the the family unit became like oh that's a downer like boo and then everybody liked her when she started uh Helping, helping him. Yeah. Although even then, a lot of people were like, I don't like the way she's helping. We don't need her. Yeah. You talked about in the show going, okay, I'm going to go back on the road and be a stand-up comedian. Yes. And a lot of people just go, I'll just do commercials and stuff, or they'll, they'll just find a way to make money doing something safe. And to go on the road, it's like, it's such an independent decision. Yeah, I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> it was really hard. Do you find being on the road, Sophie, like as a comedian, like there's so much to manage and do. There's so much frustration. There's so much inconvenience. You kind of take on the world when you tour, don't you? I was trying to imagine being offered something like that where I guess you'll know for a certain amount of time, like you know for the next like six months at a time or maybe a year at a time, right. that's what you're going to be doing. Right. And that terrifies me. Even, really? Even if that sounds, like you might feel like financially safe mm-hmm. for a while, the thought of knowing exactly what you're going to be doing every single day for the next six months, that sounds terrifying. What do you prefer in terms of work? Do you prefer being on the road, being like, I guess, independent or financially? I mean, it's kind of both things at once for me and now that you're speaking to me one week before the fringe is over there's a part of me that's like I just want a regular job (laughs) 
um, <laughs> because I've been on the road in the U.S. for a few years. But, you know, on the other hand, you know, in all honesty, going on the road, there's nothing like being able to stand on a stage and say what you want to say. And for me, it's very exploratory because I'm sort of finding an aggression um, because when I first started doing stand-up, I would get really caught up in the audience and go like, oh, so what do you think? And, I, you know, like you, there's a certain amount of that, like, yeah, what do you got? And if, you know, I'm like, oh, what did you do today? And then I, I had to sort of learn that I needed to take control and, of, and the room. of the room and also find my own voice and what I wanted to say. That's why I really want more women to do stand-up comedy. You have to own the room. You have to form your opinions. You have to throw your opinions down. You can't go, or oh, whatever you think. I think it's such an empowering thing. I kind of want to run workshops for women to do stand-up comedy, even if they don't really want to do it, you know. (laughs) I want to marshal them. We need camps for women. (laughs) I don't think they need to come and do some fucking stand-up. I mean, even if they don't want to do it really on stage, just to come for a weekend workshop and do it in front of a small audience, even just doing it once or twice, I think could really be empowering. And as a job, as a career... You absolutely make your own work. You create your own shows. You create your own gigs. You are totally in charge of your career. You make no money. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but it's... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that's It's also why. interesting to find that voice that takes control without being completely dominant in a way that a man would. Not to generalize all men. There's all different kinds of ways. But in general... <laughs> I mean, I hate to admit this, but, but oftentimes if a woman takes the stage as a stand-up, I do have that inward, like, oh, there is still a bit of pause of like, okay, what's she going to do? Because it's a different approach and you have to find your way of doing it. That's Did not... you get that feeling when I stood up to do my bit about the car? I was really nervous for you. you were you feeling like, <laughs> no, not she's at all. not going to get through this? Oh, God, somebody help her. No, I'm talking about your basic... I found two basic... men in the room to help me, actually, and they did brilliantly. They really did. It. Yeah. No, this is the show that turns everything upside down, and I appreciate that. That's why you guys are my favorite part of Scotland. Oh. <laughs> but I'm saying when you walk into a comedy club and it's th- those kinds of lineups where it's one woman per nine men that are on the show, that's really tricky because it's, you know, it's a tempo change. It's a... It's a it's different. It's just not what the audience is expecting. You interrupt the routine. Right. And therefore, the energy in the room can change. And some women learn to deal with that by being like the guys and falling into the same patterns. And some do it by going, I'm going to be different in some significant ways. My voice will be higher. I have breasts. Uh, I, I, some of my opinions may be through a slightly different viewfinder. And you're going to come with me on that. And you are really good with the words. Remember earlier? She just, <laughs> I, did a, I did a gig in America where the first eight acts, if not more than that, were these like, men doing stuff about men and women. And there's a lot of stuff about women and what women were like, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of sexist stuff. And then a woman came on stage and there kind of was that feeling of like, oh, but we've just been talking about you. <laughs> you know, it felt like, oh, oh, like not, I won't say mm. shame, because I don't think the people laughing at that stuff felt shame. empathy, but, <laughs> but there was like a feeling of, if, if when you're a, a child and you have friends over and you're just being children and then your mom comes in and you're like, oh God, <laughs> oh, she would not approve of this. And that's kind of the feeling mm. I got from it. And I think that makes a lot of it. They, they're kind of confronted with the things they've just laughed at. And they're like, oh, shit. Do you, have you ever been on tour with guys and felt like that mum role has been imposed upon you? That it's like, oh, you're going to be not cool with this. Yeah, I think I, I managed to find a way of turning that around and making it so that they felt like they had to be cool with me being a nag. 
So I'd go. Well, that's no, clever. I don't, no, that's I like don't. a. That's like a. Look, um, what, what kind of maneuver is that? What kind of feminist kind of going, maneuver? It's like a feminist <laughs> piece of martial arts. Well, kind of, kind of going. Uh, you want to go to the strip club? They go. No, I don't want to support anything that exploits women. And then they'd be like, Oh, okay, you're nagging. And they'd be, Oh, you, now you're getting really uptight about me having expressed an opinion. Oh, that's not very. I feel like you're nagging me right now. <laughs> and then they have to be like, Oh no, 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 I'm fine. No, what? Oh yeah, you're Ooh. right. Maybe it is uh, exploding women. <laughs> That is such a good piece of... Mm-hmm. I really need you to come on my stand-up workshop to teach us that manoeuvre. <laughs> the, the forced... The enforced women. stand-up workshop that I'm... For, I am. Listen, I am going to strongly encourage them to do it. And if some of them find themselves corralled into the general area, then that's a great way to begin it. Do you, do you guys have, like, fantasies about just being... Like, I guess, independent in the most extreme form of just disappearing, like going away, leaving everything. Like almost vanishing. Have you ever had that fantasy? Yeah, that's what happened when I came to the Fringe Festival. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what happened. You just left a note on the kitchen counter Uh for your husband that just said, go on to the Fringe. Yeah. Uh, I'm not telling you which one. You're going to have to find it. Um, Yes, I think I have had that. But I think because I moved from Australia to Britain when I was young, I effectively did that. I effectively reinvented myself. I'm basically Muriel from Muriel's Wedding. I've reinvented myself significantly. And I think that was one of the ways that I got independence from my parents, from a very dominating religion. I just basically left town. And then I did it again. I left America to come to Britain. I went Australia, London, America, London. And a few times I've just walked out of my life like that. I've actually done it. And it's so refreshing. You just arrive in a new city and you can just be anyone you want, guys. You can just say, I'm a stand-up comedian. People believe you. You sound like you're... <laughs> Seriously. You sound like you're about to go into like a musical number. <laughs> you can be anyone you want, guys. I have a feeling. <laughs> it's lonely on the witness relocation program. <laughs> The city at night. The city at night. Whispers in the alley. Is everything all right? Is she a stripper? Or does she do comedy? Should we take some questions? Yes, let's take some questions from the audience. While you're thinking of a question, I'm going to ask you guys, how much were you raised to be independent? And how much did you have an idea, either from your parents or from movies, that you were going to be supported and you were going to get married and have kids and that there would be a level of dependence about your adult life? Well, I was going to ask you about your leaving. Did you feel when you were growing up that you weren't supposed to leave? Like, growing up in the Midwest, for me, it was people don't really leave. But I also can relate to don't hold my bags, I don't need anything, but still you're supposed to stay within your family and do what everybody else has done. Yes, a lot of people, when I went to my school reunion, a lot of people had never left that beach town in Australia. And that's absolutely validly their choice. And some of them listen to this podcast and, hey guys. Um, (laughs) But it fascinates me because I just go, I feel like I was raised with an idea that women were dependent on men ultimately. And I just never had that picture in my head. I never imagined getting married and having children once. I always imagined going to university. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I had the exact opposite. My mom was like, oh, my, my mom's a single mother with a big S and M. Uh, no. What? Uh, like, no. <laughs> I just mean she's a really, like... Oh, so a big was, S for single and a big S and M for mother. Yeah, oh, know, it took me ages. No, 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 with a big S and M dungeon. And I'm telling you, when you're raised by a dominatrix, you learn independence, people. I heard that. You take orders time. from nobody. She Go would to work say, in the family business to stay... <laughs> 
Well, she would say, she would say the sentence, uh, well, men leave, so you have to be able to do everything yourself, because when you become a single mother, <laughs> and that was, that's how she, you know, you have to be able to screw in a light bulb or, or put whatever duvet covers on your duvet, like, all those things, because was, she was like, never, ever, ever assume that anyone is going to be there to help you, because one day you might be a single mother, and then you have to be able to do these things. Wow, yeah. I can, to be fair, I can do a duvet and a light bulb. <laughs> I don't want to do a duvet. No, ever. but I... Sorry, question of the balcony. Oh, balcony. Hello. Hello. When's the workshop? Oh. Do you know what? I'm going to commit to uh, spring 2017 because I've got a long enough lead time. I want to do two workshops. I want to do one which is uh, women doing famous speeches from history. Hey. Hello. This is Valentine. Uh, he's a really cool dude. And the and first man on our podcast. First man on our podcast. And he's very, very uh, independent. Um, extraordinarily so. Hello, Valentine. Do you want your mum back? Are you a bit bored of this? Yeah. <laughs> no, five, give it five stars. <laughs> Fair enough, yeah. As long as you're not reviewing it, I'm all good with it. Yeah, I want to do a workshop where uh, women do famous speeches from history because it's really hard to say, um, I've sort of got a dream... Uh, not sure if it's worth mentioning and uh, I want women to have to read these out because it changes your physicality it changes your voice and it really gives you a buzz as well it makes you feel amazing and I want to do some stand-up comedy workshops and also we want to get Jessamyn Stanley back to do yoga workshops as well yeah do we have time for one more question Hello. Hello. I just think when we think about independence, we need to think about it as independence from patriarchy yes while thinking about interdependence on feminists so fellow feminists, we can depend on each other and we can work to, together to do lots of useful things. We need to get away from an individualist idea of independence, which is a neoliberal, patriarchal system. That is such a good point, and I yeah. really wish you were doing this podcast now. <laughs> That's way better you know, than anything any of us said. You know what we're going to do? We're going to cut that out, and then we're going to do a whole new episode. <laughs> we're going to be saying that. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's your name? Ailey. 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 Uh, are you an academic, Ailey? Kind of. What do you do? I'm doing a PhD. A PhD. Are you, so kind you of. are an academic. <laughs> For kind of. sake. <laughs> the woman who just said that and everyone went, oh, that was good. Are you an academic? Kind of. I'm working on, I'm working on my GED. Say it like a man. Are you an academic? Yes. Yes, yes you are. <laughs> You're doing a PhD. What's your surname, Ailey? Hull. Hull. You'll soon be Dr. Hull? Hopefully, yes. Yes? Yeah. Not Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully, you will be a doctor, Dr. Holt. What's your, um, uh, what's your PhD in? Um, so I'm doing a PhD in feminist literature and culture in America for a Mexican-American feminist. So the reason I thought about it is uh, in Latina culture in general, in the United States, there's a system called the comadres, which literally means co-mothers, but it's also sisterhood and it's about helping out other feminists and other women whereby collectively they get a lot more done than if they have an individualist um, standpoint. So that was what it made me think of, so that's, yeah. Great, so This what... whole thing must have been so frustrating to I you. was just thinking that! I was just going to ask you, were you just sitting there like, look, yeah. like, looking, knock it off! Making jokes about stand-up? We need to be independent, of course we do. But yes. No, yeah, this is the next uh, yeah, yeah, this stage. is the next phase. So yeah. independent from the patriarchy, but interdependent on each other. So it turns out my stand-up workshops are a great idea. <laughs> my 
Thank you, your Sophie. Cams, your cams. So, yes, my mandatory stand-up workshops are super feminist, as it turns out. My compulsory workshops. Uh, We're going to move in together for the rest of the fringe, right? Yeah, I feel strongly about that. Cool, cool. I, I, I feel our periods have already synced just sitting up here. <laughs> And definitely mine's just synced with yours. I don't Amy. know if that's what she meant, but I feel it too. I feel like, yeah. Okay. I feel it is what she meant. It is what you meant, isn't it? The sinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope that's part of your thesis. Um, although, I did recently talk to a feminist academic who told me that her organisation was a parasite organisation. She was a parasite feminist. And she parasited onto the patriarchy. So she had an art exhibition in a very, very traditional, very male uh, art gallery in Dublin. And uh, she said, I'm using their resources. I'm making space for myself here. I'm making them pay for stuff. And she said, what parasites do is they suck the blood of the host and then ultimately use their resources and kill them. (laughs) And I was like, I like a parasite feminism. really good point and you can join the guilty feminist podcast uh, facebook group because that is where we do our interdependence here at the guilty feminist but also i was talking to someone in scotland last night and they were telling me about all these amazing other organizations here that we could get involved with and just do that thing where we patchwork quilt up uh, and build out and encourage each other to say yes i am academic and yes i'm going to do this and yes i'm definitely coming to that workshop um, so, Marilyn Rice Cup has been an amazing guest. Thank you very much. Big round applause for Marilyn Rice Cup. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Marilyn, what would you like to plug? Where, On Twitter, my whole you? name, uh, M A R Y L Y N and R E J S K U B, my whole name. On Twitter. Uh, so, so, you're at Marilyn Rice Cup. Okay. Follow me and help me stay feminist. Okay, so everybody now has a responsibility. If you don't follow Mary Lynn, she may stop being a feminist. I feel like that's the case. That's the case. The hammer's coming down right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Mary Lynn, if you're listening at home, is pointing at her son, uh, who's very much wanting to go and watch a cool kid show. Uh, And we don't blame him. He's done amazingly well. Big round of applause for Valentine for sticking through this. Well, Valentine is our youngest guilty feminist, and he has been amazing, and I'm... (laughs) I really want to buy him ice cream now um, or something. Can I buy you something? That's the, wa- it's the way I show love. It's the way... It's I, the... I, can I have an ice cream? Of course you can, Sophie. Of course you can. What would you like to plug, Sophie? Uh, I've started a podcast called uh, Made of Human. I, just, I chat to people one-on-one, uh, the people I like, people I find interesting. I've had uh, uh, Josie Long, uh, Katie Brand, uh, Bisha Kayali, Desiree Birch, that we, we're seeing on Wednesday as well. And it's just me talking to people about how they like function as people, like me being a bit of an introvert and a bit of a weirdo, talking to people about their weirdnesses and and how they cope with being human. And uh, then I suggest that you all find us on Twitter, at GuiltFemPod, and we're on Instagram, at the Guilty Feminist. Yes. Mm-hmm. iTunes, five-star review. Do or it. Or as no. many stars <laughs> as you feel it deserves. I tried to say it really assertively so you wouldn't say that. Yeah, yeah. Five-star, <laughs> do it. Or the stars you'd like to give it. I've been listening to The Guilty Feminist with me, Sophie Hagen, Deborah Francis White, and our special guest, Meredith Weisskamp. The morning engineer was Gary Boyle. Music was Kermak Hodge. The producer was Sam Zelinski for the Spanish Show. Thanks to everyone at The Guilty Balloon, Anne Spadler, and everyone at Search TV, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit guiltyfeminist.com.
have t-shirts that we're <gasps> selling in the uh, where the box office box office not on the internet yet exclusive so take a picture of yourself tweet it and make everyone else jealous because we want feminism to be intradependent and not <laughs> that's what we've always said interdependence is what we said the whole time there'll be a new t-shirt with that what she said as the lo- slogan interdependence from the patriarchy but interdependence on other feminists like a fun slogan maybe half of it will be on the back (laughs) 